the decision that the NFL is going to make about whatever punishment it would be. Would this have any credence on them determining a time or a length that Deshaun Watson is out for the season? But ultimately, mm-hmm. Molly Q, settlements, cases still left, it's still convoluted. It's still a lot of things that you have to work through. It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McLean from the Houston Chronicle. I need to see a dog make a play. No puppies. I need a dog to make a play. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And you heard Marcus Spears right there on first take talking about Deshaun Watson settling 20 of the 24 cases. The civil suits came to settlements quick, fast, and in a hurry. And right now, John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, joins us now on the Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And, John, that happened pretty quick. Uh, seems like maybe there was a little bit of pressure in Cleveland to hurry up and get these things done. What's the latest and the greatest? What can you tell us about these settlements for Deshaun? Q, I've told you the last few weeks that I bet, have no proof, that the Browns said, if we're going to give you $230 million guaranteed, we want your guarantee that these civil suits are going to be settled by the time training camp begins. And I still believe they will be. And they almost were before the trading deadline last season. They had a deal with Miami, three first-round picks at three and a five. And then the owner, Stephen Ross, said on Thursday afternoon, I want every civil suit settled. And for the first time, Watson gave his people permission to try to do it. And then by Tuesday, with the deadline looming, they announced they weren't doing it because they could only get 18 of 22. In retrospect, they should have done the 18 Mm -hmm. and only had four left. So it could be the same four they're holding out now. And remember last week, Tony Busby, who represents the plaintiffs, said there was going to be two more filed. And, And the New York Times reported he had he had, uh, what was it, 77 that, or 66? 66, 66 yeah, over a 17-month yep. period. And so he could have already uh, paid for silence. Uh, but could, no time what he's already paid out that we don't know about because they didn't file civil suits like the 24 women. I'm for them getting every penny that they think they're owed, and he's innocent till proven guilty. And he has, he's only guilty right now of really poor judgment. He's going to get suspended. These settlements have nothing to do with the suspension, and I think it'll be he'll be suspended for the season. And if that's the case, you go back to the last day of the 2020 season when he played till the first day of the 2023 season, that'll be like 900-something days since he has played. Mm. Wow, that's a great point right there. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. I saw where some expect the NFLPA to use Robert Kraft's uh, situation that he had as a, as a sort of a defense for Deshaun. Do you think that that has any chance to work at all? They might try that. They might try that Dan Snyder hasn't been punished, that uh, uh, you know there's serious accusations against Mark Davis that will have to be addressed at some point. And people forget Roger Goodell works for the owners. Mm -hmm. They don't work for him. And so the fact that the wheels of justice turn slower for the owners is not surprising. The fact that, you know, they don't suspend them or take away franchises is not surprising. And this one, the union can squawk all it wants to, and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. 
Right. No doubt about it. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle joining us here on NSA Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Before you came on, John, we were talking about memorable games, and we had a, a young man, Jeff, call in, talk about that Brett Favre game, that Monday night game against the Raiders when he had just lost his father and he went out there and just had a monster performance. You've been covering the NFL for a very long time. Where does that stand up as far as just great performances in NFL history? Well, taking uh, not taking into account great playoff performances, because there's more on the line then. Mm-hmm. But the fact that his dad had died, and he and his dad, Irv, were really, really close. He'd been his coach. He'd been his best friend. And to see how he could compartmentalize that and play that tremendous game in prime time in front of an entire nation said so much about what Brett Farr was all about. And there's not a fan in the country, including Raider Nation, that's hard. wasn't you know just tugging on your heart for him yep. and what he was going through. And then as soon as it over, it was over, he cried like a baby. Right. And when I think of all the games that I've seen since I can remember, going back to 1960 when I was eight years old and covering the NFL for the last 45 years, I can't think of a regular season game that was more memorable when you consider the circumstances. I agree 100%. No doubt about it. We're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. A couple weeks ago, you had let me know that Van McElroy was from Uvalde, Texas, and, and you know was in that town uh, when the tragedy happened. And then we found out late last week that Mark Davis donated a million dollars to the school district there to try to help secure campuses. One, how big was that for Mark Davis to, to talk to Van McElroy and, and get on the same page and, and make that happen? And do you think that there's a chance that other professional teams could kind of follow in the footsteps and help secure their communities as well? Uh, I think that was an incredible uh, move, gesture by Mark Davis. Uh, I've known Van McElroy since he was at Baylor. First class act has always lived in Uvalde. Even when he was one of the top agents in the country, he could have moved to Houston, Dallas, Austin, but he stayed in his hometown where his dad was his coach. And I know how much it just ripped apart him and his family and everybody else in that town. And every time there is a huge disaster, a lot of things are done by the NFL, by owners, by the NFL matching. And I think that was just an incredible move by Mark Davis. I did too. I, I did too. I thought that, that was that was really cool. And we had Van McElroy on to talk about it. And, you know, he even went into details of what they were going to do. And uh, those are just things that shouldn't happen, John. We shouldn't have to drop our kids off at school and not know if we're going to be able to pick them up. So I thought that that was a hell of a gesture by Van McElroy as well, you know, just to get out in front of it and say, hey, this has got to stop and this is how I'm going to do that. That says a lot about him. Yeah, we're not going to be able to do anything about guns in our country, but uh, we can do what we think should be done to help schools where no matter what it is with the doors with I read a great story Q about that 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 the kid that did the killing had a Kevlar Kevlar bulletproof vest just like SWAT he shouldn't be able to buy that right why, why would you need that why would you need a semi-automatic weapon I think you should be able to hunt and I think people should be able to go to gun clubs and shoot, but letting a kid buy that stuff. He had better protection than the police who were on site. Right. And I don't, there's, that's just not right. And I, I don't know what Van said they're going to do 
in Uvalde, but whatever they do, I hope it gets a lot of attention so others will uh, consider doing the same thing. Yeah, I agree 100%. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, you're there. You you obviously see the, the AFC South a lot. The Tennessee Titans were a really good team last year. They got rid of A.J. Brown. They drafted Traylon Burks. He's a guy that has a lot of questions. You know, he hasn't really even showed up to camp yet and done any kind of activities. So what are your expectations for this team uh, this upcoming season for Tennessee? Uh, do you think that they may take a little bit of a step back from who they were last year? I do because they were they had home field advantage in the AFC and they did it without Derrick Henry playing eight games. Despite having a bunch of cast offs, they still were running one of the best running teams in the league because that's their philosophy. Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach. But it'll be a two team race between Tennessee and Indianapolis and then it'll be a two team race for the basement. It's amazing to me how many people pick the Jaguars to be ahead of the Texans, just like last year. Texans have beaten them eight years in a row. Last time they lost to them was 2017. Beat them bad twice last year when they were five and six point underdogs. So I'm taking the Jaguars to finish last, Titans first. But I maybe if Matt Ryan bounces back with the Colts and plays a whole lot better than he did with the Falcons, where he didn't have many weapons, then I could see the Colts and the Titans battling right to the end for the division title, not to mention the playoffs. What do you think, Doug Peterson, how do you think he's going to help Trevor Lawrence there in Jacksonville? I think he'll help him. I think he'd be able to help him a hell of a lot more if he had Frank Wright coaching him like he did in Philadelphia when he had Wright coaching uh, Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. Because of Peterson won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, everybody just automatically assumes they're going to be better. This time last year, we all assumed, wow, Urban Meyer, he's come back, to, he's come to the NFL. He's going to help turn around the Jaguars. Now, I'm not comparing Doug Peterson to him. Right. I think Peterson's a good coach. He's got the Super Bowl ring, but they are the Jaguars. <laughs> right, yeah. You always got to take that into consideration. They still are the Jaguars. John, before we get you out of here, how about uh, Rob Gronkowski? It was announced today that he's retiring again. Uh, do you think this time he's going to stick with the retirement, or does he come back? His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, doesn't think he will. Rosenhaus thinks that Brady gives him a call. <coughs> Excuse me, and ask him to come back at 33, he'll do it. I would love see, to see Gronk on one of those pregame shows mm. where his irreverence would take it to a new level of uh, interest, excitement, instead of a bunch of boring guys sitting around breaking down the X's and O's. <laughs> I like Gronk no matter if he's doing commercials or if he's doing interviews or if he's playing. Without a doubt, to make you, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer because not only could he play wide receiver, line up in the slot, outside, backfield, go in motion. He can line up on the line of scrimmage like a true tight end and, and block. He wasn't just a receiver. Right. No, he wasn't. He was great. He was a hell of a player, and I agree. First ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. You mentioned the pregame shows. How about Ryan Fitzpatrick? I saw the news that he's joining Amazon. Uh, they're, they're continuing to stack talent. Uh, how about Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, or, or joining the broadcast? Well, we've known that a couple of weeks. They made it official. I think he'll fit right in. And if Gronk truly is retired, I'll guarantee you, mm -hmm. Amazon and the other networks will be calling his agent, 
trying to hire him. Yeah, no doubt. Now all they got to do is call me. Just, John, just throw my name out there. Hey, Q's, Q's down to work. He's always working. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it, John. Just let me know. <laughs> so there That's you go. That's what he used to say about going to Vegas from Waco and getting a show on the Raiders. You pull that off, so he knows. Maybe you'll be next at Amazon. There you go. Hey, you know, they got the money to pull it off, John. They got the big pockets, so you know I'd run. Q and the Gronk. <laughs> exactly. That's a show right there, Q and the Gronk. I, I can get down with that. John, what are you working on that I that I need to be on the lookout for? Well, I'm on Sports Radio 610 in Houston four times a week. I tweet McLean underscore on underscore NFL. I'm going to be doing more for my station during the season. And I got another iron in the fire, and if there's anything to it, I'll be sure and let you know. Nice. Well, I cannot wait. Well, John, thank you so much for your time as always. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Q, that sounds great. Thank you very much. All right, there he goes. John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. He's got another iron in the fire, man. And when John's got something going, he's got something going. So I'm definitely looking out and looking forward to that. It's always great to pick his brain uh, just for a few minutes a, a, a week, man, talking some NFL. Again, the great John McClain with us here on Unnecessary Roughness. 314 is the time you want to get in on the show. Uh, let us know about it. 702-365-9200. The Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Looking for the most delusional fan base in the NFL. And also, what's your most memorable Raiders moment, good or bad? Holla at us, man. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. There's much more that goes into it, and family is a big part of it for me. So geographically being here, it makes it a lot easier for me to stay connected to my family year-round. It's hard to explain. This is what I, I thought about. You've seen the pictures of me as a kid in, the, in my yearbook saying, NFL, NBA star. That's what that's what I want to do. Devontae Adams, NFL, NBA star. And, you know, sometimes you got to manifest it and throw your jersey on. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Devontae Adams is one of the reasons why he decided to come to Las Vegas to play for the Raiders. Family, major reason when it comes to Devontae Adams. He is very family-oriented. Nothing wrong with that. That was from Mandatory Minicamp. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Coming up at 3.30, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas, will join the show to talk about the value of the Raiders increasing because of the sale of the Denver Broncos and how much money they were able to get. Four point, I think $5 billion for the Broncos just immediately made the Raiders value go up. Are you okay, dude? Yep, just tripping on a wire. It's 4.65. Oh, sorry. <laughs> was, was it really worth it? Was that, I know. You were so damn excited. <laughs> Correct me. Damn near tripped over yourself, you man. You all right? Yeah, I'm great. Yes. Raider Nation, you, will have, you will, won't believe me when I tell you this, but Ari during the commercial <laughs> break was practicing answering the phone and trying to figure out why he kept hanging up on people and yeah. what he was doing wrong. To his credit, he figured it out, I think. You didn't sound confident. That yeah, didn't I, sound confident. I got it, but you know everything changes once all of a sudden. You're everything in, in hey, real it's different. Time. It's different when the bullets are live, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know that's out. right. I care about you though, Raider Nation. That's that's why I've there you go. step my game up here. And as he should. But it yeah. was so funny because he's testing it out in the commercial break, and I really wasn't paying attention. All I heard was, "Damn, damn, damn," and I was like. Did you just hang up on someone else? He's like, no, there's no one on the phone. I'm just trying to test it. I was like, oh, so you're practicing? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? To his credit, at least he's practicing. So there you go, Ari. I'm, I'm very proud of you. You're trying to, Thank you. Trying to uh, you know, step your game up. So Raider Nation, we definitely want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. Also, the Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. I've been throwing out a couple questions to you. What fan base in the NFL has the most delusional fans? Ryan Clark started this on Twitter uh, last night. And then also, what is your most memorable Raiders... What is your most memorable Raiders moment, good or bad? 
Was there a game that stood out to you that you'll never forget? Something, something Raiders-related that you'll never, ever forget. Jeff had a really good call before uh, we got John McClain on talking about that Brett Favre Monday night football game. Obviously, that did not go on the Raiders' way, but how could you not? If you have any pulse, if you have any sort of a heart, how could you not feel happy for him going out there and performing the way that he did? So that was a really good call, but we got a text here from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q, the good and bad memorable games I can remember. First off the bad, has to be that darn Niner game we lost in overtime at the Coliseum, I believe, in 2002. Not only were the Niner fans obnoxious, but we lost to a kicker by the name of Jose Cortez. Still hurts to this day. One game that sticks out as a good memorable game has to be the AFC Championship game versus the Titans in 2003. Being there as always, tailgating every Raider game, some band by the name of Metallica is performing in the South parking lot. It was awesome. We went on to beat the Titans and playing the Bucks the following week in the Super Bowl. I remember that. That was, a, that was a fantastic memory. I wasn't at that game, but I do remember it uh, like it was yesterday. So thank you so much for that, Sir Whiskey Ray. I do appreciate you. Uh, we got a text here. Let's see what it says. Oh, another one from Raider Hutch. He had called in. One of the best games is the Monday night game at the Coliseum when we beat the Broncos and the crowd was yelling FAB the whole game. It was awesome. That was I remember that. That was pretty awesome. And I wasn't at that game either, but I remember that one like it was yesterday. That was obviously uh, talking about Antonio Brown and everything that shook out from that. And uh, just seeing, matter of fact, my guy, Mikey the Barber from Sacramento, he, uh, he sent me some video. He was at that game walking around the Coliseum, and he was taking video just walking around the, the stadium and everyone chanting F-A-B, F-A-B. And so he, he, uh, you know, he took video of it and sent it to me. I thought it was great. And, of course, uh, the Raiders win in that game. It was like, yeah, who needs Antonio Brown anyway? Didn't need that guy. Needed his talent. Just didn't need that dude. That dude was, man, I want to talk about it. That was a bad Raider memory, right? That was one of those. And it's so funny. I had to convince myself to like him. Because when I first thought, when, I, when we all knew that he was available, I knew a lot of Raider fans were going to say, oh, yeah, go get him. He's a great talent. And I kept thinking, man, oh, this dude is such a troublemaker. I just I don't think it's a good idea. Then I was, eh, it's cool. Whatever. I convinced myself to like him. And He's then really good. I mean, I mean, he was at one point really good. From the distraction. He was really good until Mike Tomlin had enough to do with him. Once Mike Tomlin was done with him, because how many years did Mike Tomlin keep him under wraps where nobody even knew he was really a troublemaker outside of Pittsburgh? Like nobody really knew that. And then all of a sudden you saw the real guy, and then you realize, oh man, bad business right here. Bad business. Uh mailman Raider said. My most memorable game has to be that 35-game winner against the Chiefs. I was up and down, and then I was finally just up. Shout-out to 2 Chain Crabtree. I don't remember what game he was talking about. 35-game, be the 35-game winner game against the Chiefs. Which one is that? Crabtree. I'm assuming Crabtree was playing. I don't remember that game. Sorry, Mailman Raider. I don't, I don't remember that one. I don't know why it didn't stick out to me. Uh... Mailman Raider said, Q, love Gangster Raider, and I'm in the same boat he is because, uh, as he is because we're both going undefeated every year in the offseason. Call me delusional, but my Twitter fingers bring up all the arguments. Uh, laugh my ass off. That's a good one. Uh, I like that one. And also got one more text from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q, after yesterday's Warriors Prey in San Francisco, I was fortunate to celebrate it with my stepson as he's a big Curry and Clay fan. It made me realize that uh, it made me realize that I hope come next February our Raiders will be able to celebrate a Super Bowl title. The weather was beautiful, and the fans, fans came out in force. The atmosphere was off the hook. Thousands and thousands of fans. It was amazing. Big congrats to all the fans in front office. Q, I poured out some for you when Curry came by right by the bus. I know you're a diehard Dubs fan and wanted to show my respect to you. The hardest working radio personality in the radio business. Thank you, Sir Whiskey Ray. I appreciate that. And, yeah, that would have been cool to be at the, at the parade and check it out, but this has been my stance on the parade. 
I will not go to any parade, any championship parade, until it's the Raiders hoisting a trophy. If I'm fortunate enough to be around when they hoist a trophy, that's the one I'll go to. I'll cover it like a glove. I'll talk to as many players as possible, bring you the sights and sounds. That is what I vow. The championship parade I go to will be when the Raiders hoist a trophy. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm hoping it happens sooner rather than later. <laughs> I would like it to happen ASAP, but you know how that goes. You know, I mean, there's this long, long season that's going to be a, a very difficult season for the Raiders in 2022, as it's going to be difficult for the whole AFC West. But that's going to be the championship parade I go to is when the Raiders are able to hoist their next Lombardi trophy. Let's hustle up real quick and go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Raider X. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? Chilling, man, chilling. Hey, I got two two memories. So going back to, I think it was uh, the mid-'90s, uh, Raiders were coming out pretty strong. They had that primetime game against the Niners, and I know we had a strong running game, and, and Napoleon Harris was, was the dog, man. I thought that he was going to do it all. And all of a sudden he had that, that freak break going up the middle, mm. and he got hit, and he got blasted, and his leg looked like, remind me of Theismann. Yeah. That I was, that was shaking up. The other one, the best, best memorable one, is when we had that delay, that delay game when it got rescheduled to the middle of the night uh, with, uh, <clears throat> with the Kansas City. And we went over there and played over in Oakland, and that, that home game was soaking in the rain, and the fog came in, mm-hmm. and it was all fogged out. I don't know if you remember that game. We surprised them, and that's when uh, we had the whole uh, – Seal Moore and everybody else went over there and, the, and they had that off yeah. sides. Oh, yep. so, man, that was, that was beautiful. That was just classic. That was just classic Raider just doing their own thing. Yeah, that was that a good was, one. That was beautiful. Yeah, th- hey, thank you for the call, Raider X. I appreciate it. That was Latavius Murray breakout game. That was that. I remember that. That was a Thursday night football game. I remember that as well. I think I watched that at Buffalo Wild Wings in Texas, and uh, I was so fired up. That was the first win of the season that the Raiders had, and you're right. They shocked the Chiefs, and C.O. Moore and, and Khalil Mack had to thank Justin Tuck for calling timeout, or else it would have been bad. Mailman Raider hit us up, and I, we'll take a break right after this. The game he was talking about, the 35-game winners at the end, that's what he was talking about. That's a Thursday night football game as well at the Coliseum against the Chiefs. That was the game that Marshawn Lynch got kicked out of, and I didn't think that there was any chance that the Raiders were going to win it. And then they, they, we had a call about it earlier. And then, you know, they, they had the fourth down play or the final play with no time left on the clock multiple times. It looked like they lost, and then they won, and then lost, and lost, and they won. Yeah, that was a good one, Mailman Raider. And then... Marshawn Lynch and Marcus Peters are on the damn BART train later uh, on their video and it being on the BART train together. And that was the game that Lynch got kicked out because Peters gave a cheap shot on Derek Carr. And then uh, someone went after one of the offensive linemen went after after Peters and Lynch came off the the bench to to protect his cousin. And yeah, that, that ended up being a mess. I remember that when I was so angry until I wasn't because the Raiders came out on top at the end of the day. So thank you so much for uh, for clarifying that, Mailman Raider. We do appreciate that. Coming up next, Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas. He'll talk about the latest piece he put out on the RJ. Really good about the value of the silver and black. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Comeback stories, I want people to take away that, you know, even the people that they see as most successful and that they face the same issues any normal human being would face on a day-to-day basis from what's going on inside their head, inside their heart, things that they're dealing with from their past, they're trying to get over. Uh, Just conversations to let people know that, you know, no matter how many times they've fallen or, you know, like me getting arrested, getting suspended time after time after time, like you can still make something good happen with your life. You still have the power to rewrite your story. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Darren Waller right there. He was on Dan Patrick earlier this morning. 
Really good interview. You'll hear a few more little sound bites from Darren Waller a little bit later on in the show. But right now we have our good friend Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal, also uh, part of company on uh, ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company. And Adam, thank you so much for your time. I noticed your piece yesterday that you wrote was really good. Raiders value expected to soar after Broncos record sale. And uh, as I mentioned, it was a really good piece. And off top, how shocked were you that the Broncos went for that much money, four point six million or billion, excuse me, dollars? Or were you shocked by that? So I wasn't shocked, but let me just go back a second on that Darren Waller interview. You can just play that; that'll be more interesting than me. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, literally, I have it queued up to listen to in full. Uh, after we do this interview. So, I mean, just go ahead and play that. We're good. You don't need to hear from me. I'm telling you, man, it was a really good interview. He's been doing his little, uh, you know, media circuit as he's promoting his new podcast that he has out, uh, and it's it's really good stuff. So you definitely want to go listen to that. But your stuff is really good. And, again, I read it. I heard you kind of breaking it down a little bit on Cofield and Company yesterday. That was a lot of money that the Broncos went for. It increases the value. I, I said it immediately, too. As soon as they sold, I said, oh, well, the Raiders' value is about to go up. Why is that important that we are worried, not worried, but we're concentrating on how much value the Raiders uh, franchise will be now? Yeah, and, and, you know, to answer the first question, no, not shocked at all because the media rights deals are so massive right now and the amount of revenue streams that are coming in uh, to the NFL are just so immense. Uh, not only selling, you know, broadcast rights, and we're seeing, you know, all the different uh, splits of Thursday Night Football, Monday Night Football, the streaming, and, you know, by the way, the DirecTV deal is up pretty soon, so... That money's coming in. So, yeah, people are going to pay a lot of money to get into uh, the NFL right now because there's so much money coming in. But to the point of why it's important, um, clearly Mark Davis has given no indication that he wants to sell the team. I don't think he would have any entertainment. You know, he's not entertaining any thoughts, not listening to offers. Like, there's no – because I know right away people are like, you know, why do you care about the value? Is he selling? No, that, that, right. that doesn't matter. But you're right. Like, there is relevance to what the team is worth. Because, you know, when you have that much money and you have something that's an asset that's worth that much, that does increase, uh, you know, the, the revenue, the capital, and everything that you have uh, in terms of spending. And, you know, one of the ways to kind of circumvent the salary cap when you really need to make a push, right? We've seen the Rams do it. Uh, we've seen, you know, the States did it. Now they're kind of paying for it. But you can circumvent the salary cap for a while if you have the capital to do it. Uh, it's been a real hot topic the last couple of weeks. I know... Uh, Pat McAfee's show really started breaking mm-hmm. down. They're doing it almost every day. Yep. But if you if you have the cash and you have the capital, you can circumvent the cap for a couple of years. So if the Raiders, like right now, they're in a really good cap position, but if in the next couple of years they're in a spot that they really want to make a push and they want to you know, maybe kick some of the can down the road and say, hey, let's go all in right now. Let's buy a bunch of players and you know maybe those last couple of guys will put us over the top. They're in a position, I think, financially to be able to do that. And not every team in the league is. Uh, and I don't think the Raiders were for a long time in that kind of position, but now it seems like they are. And I think that could be really important, potentially, to at least have that option on the table. Not that they're going to do it, not that they have to do it, but the option is on the table, which I think is nice to have that flexibility. Have that opportunity to do it, right. And, you know, I always say that if teams want to keep a player, they're going to keep a player. But with this, you know, kind of theory and what was said on the Pat McAfee show, I think Andrew Brandt was on there and was really breaking down the salary cap. He did a really good job with that as well. Uh, with that being said, kind of going back to the Khalil Mack situation, there may have been a, a real deal situation where they technically couldn't pay Khalil Mack, and that's why they no doubt had to get rid of him. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, I don't understand the logistics of the financials. Like, I'm trying to learn more and more the longer I'm on the beat. But I think even people that have been on the beat for a long time, if you ask them to kind of break down 
uh, the different scenarios. Not everybody can do it. Right. It's really, really complex. But, and, and, you know, the Raiders have never actually confirmed this, but I know a lot of the speculation at the time was one of the reasons was they had to trade Khalil Mack. And listen, I think they made a good deal. Um, I think it was a smart deal to try to, you know, load up for the future. And I think they got really good assets back for it. I don't think it was a bad trade at all. Right. But one of the reasons they, they didn't really have much of an option was because to give those massive guaranteed deals, and in retrospect, it doesn't even look that massive because the deals we're seeing now, but you have to put the money up up front. Like, you have to have the cash to put in reserve. You have to put it in escrow and have it, you know, have it available. And I don't believe the Raiders were in that kind of financial position. I mean, they could have done it, but I think it would have put a strain on Mark Davis and the organization. And again, they haven't confirmed that, but I do think that that was uh, a position that they were in, that they didn't really have that much of an option uh, in terms of signing that big massive of a guaranteed content. But with the new stadium deal, the revenues that came in, uh, you know, they overshot expectations in terms of, of the PSLs and a lot right. of the revenue that they were getting. And obviously they got a very favorable deal from the state of Nevada. So, um, yeah, I think they are in a much, much stronger position now to do those sorts of things. And, and I think it shows up uh, in, in what they spend on the team, and it will show up in the future uh, in the deals that they're able to do. I, I think that it's very important uh, to, to have that kind of cost certainty, and the Raiders have that now. The, the, the move certainly helps make that happen. Talking right now with Adam Hill from Las Vegas Review Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. How much would you estimate that – the Raiders franchise has grown since they've moved to Las Vegas, since they got Allegiant Stadium, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, brand new facility. They have all this, and they have so many different events coming to Allegiant Stadium, and I don't know the breakdowns of what they get, what they don't get, but it seems like this franchise has really, really grown in value since they've been here in Vegas. Yeah, put it this way. You don't need to know the breakdown. Just know it's very, very favorable for the team. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, like, if you look back, uh, and, and it's not just the Raiders, right? Like part of that, part of the story that I wrote was that every every franchise in the league has grown, um, and we're we're going to get that Forbes value um, here in a couple of weeks. It usually comes out right before the start of training camp or so. Uh, they'll put out the new value of each team, but it's gone up like from the time that they just before they were going to move, they were worth about two point four billion dollars. Again, that's on paper. Uh, that, that's also important to point out, right? The, the Broncos were worth $3.75 billion on paper. They just sold for $4.6 So, you know, it, it, you're worth what somebody's going to pay for you. Like right. Um, and, and there's a lot of that goes into that. Like, the deal is actually $4.2 billion, and the extra $400 million was kind of to make the move happen faster. But uh, let's just say that was a 12% increase over what the value was on paper that they sold for. But if the Raiders were worth about $2.4 billion before the move was announced, last year the valuation from Forbes was... $3.5 billion, which is right in the middle of the pack for the NFL. I think it was 15th in the NFL. Um, we expect to see a 12% jump at least in that number this year uh, when that does come out. Um, it, it, they'll be somewhere below $4 billion, but if they were actually to go on the market, and again, not suggesting it's going to happen, right. but I just want to clear. If they were to go on the, bar- on the market again, one league source said, I think they'd probably sell for about $5 billion. Mm. And so I asked around, and I said, okay, let me see what else. And, you know, we hear, okay, maybe it's even higher than that. Um, it, could be, it could be even more because everybody's projecting out exactly what, um, you know, franchises are going to be worth, especially here in Las Vegas with all the influx of money and things that are coming in to get the Super Bowl. Obviously, uh, it's a very, very popular destination for the NFL. So, yeah, I think you're seeing that like, this is a very – uh, favorable situation for a sports town. 
Uh, there's so much revenue that's going to come in, and additional revenue, the gaming revenue, and all that other stuff that's coming in. So, uh, if Mark Davis were to want to sell Steam, he would get a ton of money for it. There's no question. Uh, but again, this is all on paper, and it's all um, it's all subjective at this point because it's not going to happen. Right. No. No doubt. No, and that's and that's something that I had to point out at the beginning of the of the show was like, hey, this is not saying that he wants to sell the team. We're just talking about the value of the team and how much it's increased since they've come to Las Vegas. How about the Super Bowl being here? Not obviously this upcoming year, but the next year. What does that do for the the revenue with the Raiders as far as the value of the franchise, or does it? Yeah, I don't necessarily think it does much. I mean, I think it's just one more um, indication of how much the NFL has embraced Las Vegas, and I think that'd be helpful in terms of the value to know that the NFL is is all in. Obviously, the draft party here, the Pro Bowl is here, the Super Bowl is coming. So um, it would show any potential um, investor or things like that that uh, obviously like this is a is an NFL market now. It's an NFL location and a place that they're going to do a lot of things. So I think it's important for that. And I also want to point out, like, Las Vegas is the one, man, it's going to be awesome to have the Super Bowl here, but it's the one place that doesn't need a Super Bowl. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and, and I've, I've said that from the beginning, like as cool as it's going to be and as much as I'm looking forward to it, like most cities get the Super Bowl and it overwhelms the city. And I think it kind of will here, but like Super Bowl weekend is better in Vegas than it is in the Super Bowl location anyway. So like, I, I don't, you know, it's not this like game changing thing for the city, I don't think, because we are already the destination for the Super Bowl. I think you'd rather be in Vegas than even be in the Super Bowl location. But it is just another another step in the NFL just going completely all in on Vegas to right. the the poker pun during the World Series of Poker. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I'm just going to be glad when the Super Bowl is here so I can sleep in my own bed every night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, listen, and, and, and the people, like, we're not, we're not complaining about the Super Bowl, obviously, because right. it's a great time. Uh, but I don't think people understand what it's like to actually cover and be at a Super Bowl. And uh, we, you know, we got to be around each other this year for it. It's it's a wild ride, and it will be nicer to be, you know, to go to go home at the end of the night. I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Adam, before we let you go, of course, Raider Nation is hot and heavy and fired up and excited about the potential of Ndamukong Sue joining the team. I don't think it's going to happen unless he really lowers his his value yeah. that he thinks. But what are your thoughts on Sue and the Raiders? Do you think he fits in Patrick Graham's defense? I mean, I think there's a lot of smoke about it, but I, I just I don't see it happening either. So right. I don't want to. I don't want to get people too fired up about the possibility. Like, too late. They already yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, like, I think he could fit. And he's obviously a big name, but he is getting older. And I think he would be a situational player. I think he would be very impactful, especially because there couldn't be a whole lot of defensive or a lot of uh, attention from the offensive line on him because you've got Crosby and Jones around him. They're going to draw the attention. So I think he would thrive in a situational role for sure. Um, but I don't think the team has necessarily shown much interest. I don't think he's high on their priority list, um, you're right. If he came to them and he's like, look, I just give me give me a league minimum deal I just want to sign. I think they'd be like, all right, sure, why not? We're right. free grid. But um, unless there's a you know a drastic lowering of the asking price, if he really just wants to play in Vegas and uh, it's his goal and he wants to go ahead and make that happen, um, I think that'd be the only way it would happen. Because I, I don't think the team, uh, from their perspective, has shown that much interest. Because I, I think all along he's been – He's been kind of hinting at Vegas. He's been kind of talking about Vegas. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like there's been that much of a mutual reciprocation of that. And if there had been, I think something would have already been done. Right. It, doesn't it feel like that this organization or this franchise now, the, the front office, they're only going to pay a certain amount of money for every player, and they're not going to go over that? 
Well, sure. And that's the Patriot way, right? I mean, right. again, as much as they want to distance themselves and say they're not that, they are that. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Right. Like the Patriots have been very, very successful for a reason. So um, I, I know, listen, they want to create their own path and, and do their own thing, but like to emulate a lot of what the Patriots have done is probably a smart thing. We've seen it certainly in the running back room for, the, for this uh, Raiders team, if they're being like the Patriots, but uh, that is the Patriot way, and I think uh, it's going to continue to be that way. And Listen, I don't think there's there's any doubt, and whether for better or worse, I'm not saying it's the right way or the wrong way. Um, under the old regime, and Dominican Sue would have already been on the Raiders. Right. Yeah. No. That's a, no question. Yep. yep. No question about it. And they probably would have gave him a boatload of money for it. They would have just. Yeah. What do you need? Okay. Done. Yeah. You know, and JC oh, Jackson have, too. <laughs> we have 20 million in cap space. Here's 20 million. Right. Like, I mean, that's what it would have been. And so I, I think you're seeing a clear shift in how things are done over there. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it is a good thing. Uh, Adam Hill is our guest here from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review-Journal. What do you got right now, uh, next that I need to be on the lookout for? Dude, I, I don't even want to give too much away. I kind of teased a little bit yesterday. On our I show. heard you. I heard you. Uh, <laughs> I am I am ranking, and I've been wanting to do this for a while, but now I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to rank the NFL cities as a, as a place to visit from best to worst. Best or worst. Okay. I'm gonna hey look, I heard you teasing it yesterday on Cofield and Company. I'm very intrigued by it, so I'll definitely be checking it out. Thank you so much and great job on the on the Raider value piece as well. It was a lot of good stuff. Thanks, man. Good talking to you as always. All right, brother. There he goes. Adam Hill from the RJ. Now he's gonna go listen to the Darren Waller interview from Dan Patrick this morning. Really good interview as well. Dan Patrick is one of the best in the business when it comes to interviews. He gets the most out of everybody. That uh, that Darren Waller interview, it had a lot to do with stuff that we already know. But even just the way that DP asked questions, lots of good stuff and got a lot of good answers. So you'll hear some of that sound from that Darren Waller interview coming up in the next hour. 347 is the time. We'll take a couple calls and texts as we close out hour number one. This is Radio Nation Radio. Hour number two, sorry. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll break down all things LV Aces as they're in action tonight at the Michelob Ultra Arena, taking on the Chicago Sky, the defending champions of the WNBA Chicago Sky at Michelob Ultra a little bit later on this evening. Also, Asia Wilson. uh, She's the Western Conference Player of the Week again for the third time this season, so we'll talk about that and a lot of other things Aces-related. That's coming up at the top of the hour. But right now, we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. We also have the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. You can hit us up talking about the fan base that's the most delusional in the NFL. Ryan Clark got this started on Twitter last night. And also, what is your most memorable Raiders moment, good or bad? And we've heard some really good ones. We've heard some really bad ones. So hit us up, 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the phone lines right now, and let's talk to our guy, Raider Evan. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, Q. I love your show. Uh, A couple things. I read the SB Nation article by Just Place on on the uh, Broncos, uh, how they're going to kick the Raiders' butt this year. Uh, Just a few points uh, um, in response to that. One, they've been 4-0 against the Broncos. Uh, you lost your, the best defensive coach in the NFL. Uh, your coach is, uh, comes from the son of a coach, and he wasn't all that great. Uh, on the Russell Wilson press conference, he seemed more like a fan, which isn't very good. And DNA, nepotism, whatever you want to call it, didn't work for the Shula. I don't think it's going to work for the Broncos. They were slamming Josh all over the place. Let me just remind you, his DNA comes from the Patriots, and uh, Bill Belichick got fired from his first job. He did okay in his second job, and I bet – Josh does the same uh, thing as Belichick. He's going to do great things with the Raiders. 
So uh, that's just my response to that. Uh, two, um, best moment uh, was last year when we beat the Chargers uh, in the final game to go to the playoffs, knock them out. Uh, whenever I'm in a bad mood, just watch that game again. It puts me in a good mood. Uh, worst moment is the tuck rule. I still get pissed off at that. I've never seen that rule before, never seen it since. It's not even in the rule book anymore. And just one final note on the LIV golfers. I mean, they have sold their soul for money. I think it's a disgrace. The 9-11 Survivors Group sent them a letter how dis- uh, disgusted they were. And, you know, just say it. They can't even save it for money. Phil Mickelson said, I have great empathy. He has no empathy for them. I mean, he, he is a disgrace as far as I'm concerned by just taking the money. They sold their soul. Love your show. Thanks for all you do. Appreciate it and love to hear your comments. Hey, thanks for the call, my man. And, and as far as the live tour goes, yeah, I mean, I mentioned it on yesterday's show. Uh, a lot of people don't like where that money's coming from. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like where that money's coming from. Uh, basically, it's blood money. I mean, it really is. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, I'm going to go and, and get that money because it's so much. And they don't even have to win they don't have to win these tournaments. All they have to do is show up, and they're, and they're making that kind of money, which is stupid money. But you're right. You know, there's a, there's a price to it all. And I said on yesterday's show, everyone's got a price, and you're starting to see each one of these guys like, yeah, I think I'll take some of that money. But, I, hey, from the passion in your voice, I totally understand where you're coming from. I definitely appreciate that. The tuck rule game, yeah, I think that one gets every Raider fan's blood boiling. Uh, I know it gets my blood boiling. I obviously will never forget where I was when I heard that BS of a ruling. You know, I just thought that that was a massive joke. Uh, and I like the reference to the Broncos game that you were talking about. Uh, get angry and you need something to, to get a good smile at. Definitely go check that one out. So thank you so much for your call, my man. And thank you for the compliments on the show as well. Let's talk to our guy, Juan the Smasher. You're up next. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? What's going on? Hey, man, you know I'm chilling. I know that's right. Hey, man, uh, I'm going to say this about being a Raider fan. You know, uh, the most delusional that has to be the cowgirls and the cowboys, and I'll vouch for that. Because these guys, like you say, Q, all the time, if you put lipstick on a pig, they're still a pig. And them cowboy fans, they they definitely the most delusional. You know what I'm saying? I I, I get like that, too. But, you know, I'm just a Raider, you know. But I'll, I'll say the cowboys. And the Steelers, I can't stand those cats. And and you know what, the Chiefs too. You know, they're, 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 yeah, I, I can't stand those cats. And uh, most memorable, uh, it, it, it was that Rod Woodson pick when 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 this fool took her like ninety yards to the house. I yeah. remember I was getting pissed off because we were on a four game losing streak. Yep. And ever since that pick six, we went straight to the Super Bowl. Yep. And I was get, I was getting pissed off because I was like, I can't believe we're losing to these donkeys. Mm-hmm. And you know, Rod Woodson just saved us the season right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And, and, uh, yeah, man, that was a crazy game and a crazy turnaround. And other than that, let's go Raiders. There he goes, Juan the Smasher. That game, that Rod Whitson pick six, that was in Denver. I remember that game, and I remember he was on the sideline uh, taking oxygen in after that because obviously the elevation is different there. But that was huge. I'm glad you brought that up. That was a huge moment because the Raiders were reeling. They were not playing good ball. They were on that losing streak, like you mentioned. And that pick six turned things around, got them back into the win column. And you're right. uh, They kept it moving all the way to the Super Bowl. We all know how the Super Bowl shook out. But they were able to keep things rolling. That was a great memory right there. Uh, Thank you, Juan the Smasher, right here in the 702. It's always good to hear from you. That always makes me smile, man. When Juan calls in, it makes me smile because he's so passionate. You know, and then, but it's like he's keeping it so real. You know, he's like, hey, man, the fools are pissing me off. Like, I I love it, man. It's like, it doesn't get no more honest than that. It's just straight up. Opposite of delusional. Right. (laughs) Even though, you know, and then, oh, talking about the Cowboy fans. You know, hey, look, I spent a lot of time in Texas, so I know, I know those Cowboy fans, how they could be, man. Not only, not only do they, they get super high on their team, 
When their team starts losing, oh, man, I'll tell you, that game, Thanksgiving last year, coming out of that stadium, Jerry's World, and gotten into the rental car, and I was headed back to uh, wherever I was going back to, but I was headed back, and I'm listening to the radio there. Man, Dak Prescott was the worst thing since, you know, Quincy Carter. And, I mean, there was so many, oh, my gosh, all the calls that were coming in about how terrible the Cowboys were. Fire this guy. Fire that guy. You gave money to this dude. You get, I mean, it was it was burn the whole thing down. Jerry Jones sucks. I mean, it was refreshing to actually hear another fan base as angry as they were. Because a lot of times I'll hear Raider fans super angry after a loss. It was so great to hear Cowboy fans being that angry. And even when I was in Texas doing radio there, covering the Cowboys, I don't think I got that many calls of anger. But that loss to the Raiders, that just, that just hit different for them. That one hit different on Thanksgiving in prime time at their house. Invite all the family over to watch their favorite team play and take an L. That's what they did. Took that L with all the family at the house. That just hit different for them. Border Jumper Raider, you're up next, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Ken? Chilling, man. How you doing, brother? Doing good. Hey, one of my memorable moments was the, the last game at Oakland when we met. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And uh, and then to the uh, most delusional uh, uh, fan base, gotta be the Patriots. Because even though Tom Brady's gone, they think they're still gonna win the Super Oh, I think we just lost him. All right. Hey, I understand what you're saying. Good call. Good call. The piece said the Patriots because they think they're still gonna win the Super Bowl without Tom Brady. And as long as they got Bill Belichick on the side, they're gonna feel good. As long as they still have them on the sideline, they're going to feel real confident that they can win. But uh, that's that's a good one, and and definitely uh, you know meeting you at the Coliseum that last game in Oakland, uh, the Raiders and the Jaguars obviously did not turn out the way that we all expected it to. With the Raiders coming away with the victory, the Jaguars uh, they put a they put a damper on that party. Unfortunately, uh, even though the officials and I never blame the officials for a game, and I'm not going to blame them for that game either. But they totally blew it at the end. They totally blew it at the end. The Raiders had other opportunities throughout the course of the game to win that one and put it away so there was no questions at the end. But, man, the, the officials really blew it. And then all hell broke loose uh, at the end of the game afterwards. But it was a great way to close out the Coliseum. It was a great party. We had a massive party, and it was, it was awesome meeting you. And I still got the hat. You gave me a hat. I still have it. So there you go. Border Jumper Raider, definitely appreciate you. Got time for one more call. Let's take Elliot before we close out the hour. Elliot, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Yo, what's going on, Q? Chilling, man, chilling. Right on. All right, man. So, y'all got me thinking about my favorite Raider game memory, and I've got to say it's my first Raider game ever. This was back in uh, 98. It was against the Chiefs. And um, I just remember the whole stadium going nuts, you know, shouting like, FKC, <laughs> FKC. You know I mean? They are saying something else. But, right. I got you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And anyway, man, I was like six years old at the time. And I remember all of a sudden I started chanting it. And nice. then my mom, she she looks at me with that death glare. You know, you know how mom do, yep. you know? Yep. And then, she, and then she gave me a nod, like, I'll, I'll let it happen this one time, you know? And then um, that's when I knew, man, like the Coliseum is just, like another country man like anything goes like if my mom would let me cuss like <laughs> man i knew like raider nation like dude it was something else like ah uh, it's my favorite game man i think we ended up losing but you know just the memories of the coliseum i think back then it wasn't even mccaffrey it's like network associates like right oh man just the atmosphere i'll never forget it that's awesome. Hey, great call, my man. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. And you're right, man. You're right. If if you can get to the Coliseum and, and you can get a pass to cuss, 
you know something's going on special, right? You're right about that. That is funny, and it is different, man. When you were at the Coliseum and you're watching the game, it just the atmosphere was was so wild. It was so electric. You know, you just had to feel good about you know being there and and, and just watching the game. And and I always used to tell everybody that when I would be at the Oakland Coliseum in the stands, I had fifty to sixty thousand friends. Right, every one of everyone in the stands was my friends. Now, when we left the Coliseum and you know I saw it down the street or something, like it might be a different story, but. For that three or four hours, we were all on the same team. We were all from the same place. We were all understood each other. It didn't matter what we looked like, where we came from, where we were driving home to. We were all on the same page. I used to tell everyone, they're like, man, you sure do talk a lot of trash. I was like, man, I got 60,000 people got my back. I'm good. I can say whatever I want to say. Now, you, on the other hand, got a problem. <laughs> you, on the other hand, got a problem. I had a dude in the elevator one time, and I don't even know why I was in the elevator, but I was in the elevator, and he thought it was just me, but there was like three or four other Raider fans, and he looked at me, and he said something. I don't know why he said something foul, but he kind of looked at me like he was trying to size me up, and I just laughed, and he said, well, what you laughing at? I was like, man, you outnumbered in here, homeboy. <laughs> like, I don't know what you even don't like me for. I don't know what the issue is, but they got my back. You look like you're on the outside looking in, and all of a sudden he realized, like, yeah, wait, hold on, you're right. This is the Oakland Coliseum. Four o'clock is the time. When we come back, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports, she'll join us to talk all things LV Aces. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.